everyone to the Sister Stories podcast. The aim of this podcast is to marvel at God's sovereignty in each of our lives as women and to encourage one another by sharing our stories. My name is Sophie and today I am joined by Jean. Hello Jean. Hello. Right, uh, let's start with, um, can you tell us a little bit about who you are? Um, right, well I'm, I'm Jean, married to Les White. Um, I'm 89, and um, I and we've been we've been married a very long time. Uh, in a few weeks' time, it will be 68 years since we've been married. We have five children and eight grandchildren, all of whom are now adults. The youngest one being 18, and we have two great granddaughters. Wow, that's great. Um, so we're going to be talking about uh, how you came to, to know the Lord Jesus Christ. But to start us off, could you tell us about your childhood and what it was like? Um, I had a very stable, happy childhood. Um, Les and I grew up t- um, living in the same road. Uh, we were uh, living in Downham, a housing estate um, on the edge of Bromley. And uh, childhood then was very different than it is today. But we did have a, uh, we each had a very happy childhood. My mother went to the local church, um, a brethren assembly called Brook Lane, and she became, she was a member. And so um, Les and I were both sent to Sunday school at an early age. Um, and my and we used to and when I think back at, at my childhood, I, I think well there were the three things: there was school, there was home, and church, because the church provided everything we needed in the way of a social life, really. We were there all day on Sunday at meetings. Saturdays were youth groups and various things. And so that was a very stable part of my of my life. And I'm, we're very grateful for the help and support, encouragement that we had from, from the church, the leaders. Um, and we're very, very grateful to have had such a good basic start in life. Yes. So did you have, at that time, uh, a clear understanding of the gospel? Um, yes, I did, but I was quite young mm. when I became a Christian. The, um, there, there was, it was the gospel service in the evening on Sunday, and the preacher was talking about Pilate. Mm. And he said he felt a bit sorry for Pilate, because he was put in a very difficult position. And he said, I wonder if Pilate um, is, is in, we'll see him in heaven. And when I thought about it, I was seven, and I thought, well, I don't really know that I'm going to heaven, but perhaps I want to do that. And, that, and, and very simply, I became a Christian <laughs> then. Yeah. I think um, because I was so young, I worried that perhaps I hadn't done it properly so I probably did it another couple of times <laughs> um, later on but um, and, and and that was that was the, the start of it really yes oh that's great and 
What role did your parents and people in the church play in that and how did they help you to grow in your faith? Well, um, the my my father wasn't a, a church member, but he used to come on a Sunday night. Um, but, but my mother was a member, and uh, they 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 just gave us. Well, it's it's difficult to say because there was no sort of outward. Um, uh, they they just encouraged us generally, and it was just I felt sort of safe. At church, mm-hmm. and 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 there was a good crowd of young people, particularly. So we we had good friends and could do things together. Um, and as I said, the the leaders were very 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 helpful to us and encouraged us in everything. Yeah. So did you stay in that church and in that area for later? We we stayed. Yeah. We were in that church until we were. Um, until we we got married, right. Les was in the army, mm-hmm. and he went to army apprentice school at fifteen and a half, mm-hmm. and uh, we we became friends quite, quite early on yes. um, as young teenagers, <laughs> and so we have, as I say to people, we've we've known each other forever, mm-hmm. <laughs> or so it seems. Yeah. yeah. yeah what? When did you get married? Uh, we we got married um, uh, in 1955. I was 21 and Les was 23, so we were quite young. But uh, Les had been with the army. He'd been in Egypt for um, s- several years. And he came home and we, and we got engaged. And, and because I was young, um, he promised my father that we would... Um, he, we would be engaged for a year before we got married. So uh, this is what happened, and and by that time he was settled teaching um, in uh, uh, in Chatham uh, at the army um, school, and so we moved there after after we were married. That's great. Right. It, it feels like a very different time, obviously, with young men going to the army and. Things that we're not as familiar with nowadays. Um, yeah, so I'm really interested to see how how then things developed for you actually, and, and how things are now almost, and what differences maybe you've noticed. So we can come to that a bit later. Um, right. So obviously you you got involved in ministry in Zambia, and you were there for sixty years almost. Six, six, sixty years. Yes. Wow. Yes. Very nice round number. Um, so how how did that happen? Did that come through the church you were at, or how did that um, happen for you? <laughs> well, um, well, Les left the army. Um, we'd we'd had Heather by that time, and then uh, and then I had twins, and he left the army, and um, we were living in in Sidcup, and the. And he he became uh, because he'd um, he'd got quite good um, practical skills. He was trained in the army, and he'd he'd learnt quite quite a lot as an engineer, electrical engineer, mainly. And he wanted to use his gift, uh, practical gift, um, to help missionaries. 
And so he had the idea of getting a getting a job in in Africa somewhere and then being able to help um, in his spare time. But nothing really came of that. And and then the, our church, the, the church that we grew up in, was very missionary orientated. And we had these two nursing sisters who were working in Zambia. And one of them was a, a great friend and she'd known me from um, a very small child. And she came home on furlough and said that the um, the mission where she was, which was um, a hospital, a 300-bed hospital in the bush, and that they were desperately in need of a maintenance man. But there was no... Uh, the power, you know, they had to generate themselves. Oh, yes. Had um, So there was lots of practical things to do. And it was only when we thought, well, perhaps we ought to go full-time as missionaries that the door really opened. Mm-hmm. And uh, and so we decided to to go to Kalani to, to do that work. Mm-hmm. Um, and and it's, Heather was six and the twins were four mm-hmm. when when we we left to to do that. Wow. Okay. And did you, uh, how long were you involved in that ministry and did you move to another place afterwards? Um, yeah, well, we went to, we went to Kalani mm. and we were there a few, quite a few years. Mm. Um, and the children, um, had to go to, to a boarding school. Yes. Mm. Which is one of the most difficult things. That we had to face was was sending our children away, but it was a mission, a school for missionaries' children, and it was only half an hour's drive away from us. So although they had to board, we did have them home regularly, and and then uh, and then they then the the government centre was fifty miles away. And they built a secondary school there, which um, and everything was being done in English. Mm. And there was a, one of our missionaries was there teaching scripture um, to half the school, and the Catholic father was teaching the other half. And she was going home on furlough, and furloughs in those days were long, a year. She was going to be away for a year. So the missionaries, senior missionaries, were quite concerned that if no one did that job, then we would lose our position in the school, which was very important. And uh, and by that time, I think Les had got someone else to help him with the maintenance. And because he hadn't um, got... Um, he wasn't terribly good at the local language... Um, uh, it was decided that he sh- he should go, and so being junior missionaries, we did as we were told, and we we moved to Winnilunga to teach scripture in the school. We did that for a year. By this time, Heather was fourteen, and there were no good secondary schools that we could send her to in the country. And so there were two alternatives uh, that missionaries had at that time. 
one was that you sent your children overseas and didn't see them for a couple of years uh, or even longer in some cases or you packed up and you went home with your family and we didn't really like either of those options but while um, while we were living in Winnelunga they were building a power station uh, it was a the, f- to put them on the national grid it was being built by Russians and uh, Les really on the off chance um, went into head office and uh, to see what qualifications were necessary for the a district engineer to run this power station. And he hadn't by any means got all of them, but he was offered the job of district engineer. So this meant that we could stay in Winnelunga. We were we could still do some the Christian work amongst the school children. They Use the secondary school. Um, we had a sec- we had a service for them on Sunday morning that the whole school had to attend, and there were various other things uh, that we d- we did there. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it meant that we could we could stay in Winnelunga, but the company would pay for Heather to uh, go to UK and come out for for the for the holidays. Mm-hmm. And as far as we were concerned, this was God providing for our family. Mm. It meant complete change. Um, and we came off the missionary list, but um, we, we, we really did believe that this was God's provision for our family. Mm. And um, Can I ask you as well, so you said you were involved in different uh, jobs around the place. Were you helping with the Sunday school and teaching the, the children there? Um, and not at Winnie Longer, but the um, uh, the school was being um, staffed by quite a lot of expatriates. Um, there was a Zambian headmaster, but there weren't many Zambian teachers at that time, and there was a tremendous work amongst these expatriates. Um, there were probably about thirty of them. Quite a lot came from the UK. What happened was that you would get um, a couple, both perhaps teachers, mm. they would come out um, for and do one or two contracts mm. and save up enough money to go back and buy a house. And uh, so there were uh, there were English people, um, French, um, Russians, mm. uh, so many different nationalities. And there was nothing for them to do in Winnelunga. <laughs> you know, there, were, there was no sort of social or uh, life for them. And uh, so we're, what, certainly when we started, um, uh, when they started running the power station, we had a house which was attached to the job, a, big, a fairly big house. And we used to have open house on a, on a Sunday evening. And... Uh, um, there was also an English-speaking service in the local Zambian church on a Sunday. So there was quite a lot going on yeah. amongst the, the the staff there. Yeah. So what did you get on to do next? I know there's quite a few more. <laughs> um, well, well, then um, 
We were coming to the end of his first contract. I mean, th- we started in 1970, so we were now up to 1973. And uh, he was coming to the end of this contract, and then the next two children were due to go to the UK. Um, so uh, we... So we we moved to uh, um, because Winnie was a sort of a tin pot little station in the bush. Um, they wanted Les to um, be more involved in the in the town, in the head office, and you know th- that area. And so um, we went on leave and got the the next two children settled at, s- at school in the UK, and came back to. Um, uh, and, and Dola, which is one of the copper belt towns, there's a whole whole range of um, about th- about six towns all close together that were the mining towns. But of course, there was lots of interest industries that are connected with the mine there, and uh, so Les actually left the power company and went to work for one of these these. Um, um, firms, engineering firms, and we did that for for quite quite a few years. <laughs> yeah. Okay. And what next then? Sorry, I'm just carrying on with the story. Um, okay. Well, um, I, uh, uh, personally, I hadn't been doing very much up to this point. I, you know, I'd been raising children. But when we were in Kitway, the, the, the last two children uh, went off to England. Um, so it was n- 1977. And then um, I got involved in a private uh, primary school. Mm-hmm. I, I'm a trained secretary. Yes. And I got the job of um, uh, as, uh, as a secretary at the school. And they... There were always good schools for the mining children, but the the children of the companies, um, they needed their own school. So this was the school that was built for them. And uh, and I was involved in that right at the beginning, yeah. literally right at the beginning. Um, and, and I was involved in that in, in te- for 10 years helped to to build up the school started we started off with four pupils and then um at the end of the first term the school had risen to 40 something and um by that time um we had obtained a piano and so the very first christmas of that year um the headmistress and I put on a carol concert um and the children had to learn all the words um, and you know, learn them at home. Mm-hmm. And I was able to put in quite a few evangelical mm-hmm. carols, meaningful carols. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and this tradition um, carried on well after I left school. Mm-hmm. The, and uh, so... And then, you know, that was an influence that I felt I could have. That I also got t- very, very involved in music. I'd played the piano since I was a small child, and I got involved in music. So 
although I was just the receptionist, the secretary, I did all sorts of other things. And that was a very, very happy time um, in my life for 10 years. Um, all this time, Les had been working at um, in various... In fact, he'd been working for another power company, but but he had been led into farming. Um, it's he's, he was interested in farming, and 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 the 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 power company had a small a small farm, and one day the the managing director got. Um, cross with his his farm manager and sacked him on the spot and then he knew that Les was interested in farming because by that time we were trying to run a farm up in in the bush so he asked him to take it over um, in the meantime and then of course as so often happens uh, it just that job just continued until in the end Les was in charge of um four or five mine farms so that's where he you know he got his farming experience all the time he was still on the books as an engineer but he was actually farming and then we got involved with the the other farmers in the district and there were sort of ways in which we were involved in in the community and and they all knew what we stood for and it was amazing this, the the small things that you could do to uh, uh, to to witness witness to them. Yes, yeah, sorry. How long how long did you stay that farm? So, um, um, Les Les was a bit. Um, he was finding life a bit difficult in the in the company he was working for because he his his boss was. Um, there were things going on that weren't weren't right, mm. and you know, being a Christian, it's difficult to um, to to cope with that. And and so he des- he decided, or we decided that he, we wanted to go up and try and the the farm uh, in up in the bush to, to really make a go of it. Mm. By this time, the the there was one of the one of the men that we were doing it with was was actually running it and so he was very keen to get get to the farm and and so we we moved up there um it was very hard for me to to leave the school um because I'd been very very happy at it um and they gave me a wonderful farewell <clears throat> and so we did that for for about uh, 4 years so we're now up to 91, something like that. And it was a very, very happy time um, because um, Les had, uh, he'd put in a hydro um, scheme there. He dammed, the, um, built a big dam, dammed the river and made two lakes from the from the river. And so, um, so it, it was a lovely place to live. And we we were very happy there. And then the other two two men that were with us wanted to go on and do something else. And there was no way we could run the farm on our own. I was absolutely devastated because I thought 
you know, we were there for good. And uh, I was crying every day as to why we had to leave this wonderful place and what had God got in mind for us. But then, then over the years, we had known Barry and Rachel Haig, been very involved with them. And Barry was, at that time, building um, a Bible, a Christian training centre is its title. His idea was to start a Bible school, but he wasn't content with just teaching the Zambians the Bible. He wanted to um, he wanted to cover the rest of their lives in various ways, um, and so he he had a, a small clinic, and the, and then he, the main the other main thrust of the work was trades training, because if you train someone, um, his idea was that you trained big bricklayers and carpenters, they could go back to the villages. And they could earn their own living. And so he started the training scheme and the actual trainees built, started building the actual, but the Bible school. And Barry was, is a great teacher and preacher. He speaks the language absolutely perfectly. And so he, he did get help, um, in the actual building, but he would say to Les, oh, I wish you could come and help me, because he knew Les would be able to help him in um, so many ways, uh, practical ways. And so we thought about it. We thought, well, perhaps this is this is the time that we should do that. And and so we we spoke to them, and we agreed that we would we would help them. We would come... Uh, this was uh, Nyangombi is the name of the place, and it was being built just outside Winnilunga, mm-hmm. so up in the area where where we we knew very very well, and so we agreed to do that. And then uh, God's timing is just amazing, because having agreed to do that, then Rachel was suddenly diagnosed with uh, cancer. And she needed to go back to the UK. And so uh, we were left uh, looking after the place. In the meantime, the other two people had, had, had come out, drawn out of the, the farm. So we were running that as well. <laughs> so at the beginning of 92, uh, we... We were we were commuting from from Satibondu to Nyangombi twice a week to keep an eye on the buildings and that. But then Barry had had um, he'd he'd had the civil work done for a hydro scheme, and he'd got all the hydro equipment in boxes. And so in January ninety two, Les started to. Um, put the machinery all in 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 place and actually build the build the hydro and electrify the place and uh, and then april 92 he um, switched on the the, the hydro um, and 
it's been running more or less <laughs> um, full time ever since. That provides a hundred kVA of electricity, and um, so so then we had to live at Nyangombi and commute to the farm while we mm, we yes. we finished up there. So that was that was really when we went to uh, went to to live at Nyangombi was in the beginning of ninety two, mm. and the people. Um, and some of those trainees there that were building the place, they are now elders and leaders um, in the church mm, wow. where we where we are where we were. Yes, wow. so and they're now grandparents, and so we sort of grew up with the yeah. with that with that family. Mm. That's great. So you stayed in Nyangombe for about thirty years. Yeah. Right? Yes. And then you came back to the UK after that. Um, yes, uh, well, um, yes. Um, well, we, we the the work has really really um, increased. Mm-hmm. So at Nyangombi, you've got uh, we've got the, the Bible school is still the main thrust, but it's still it's short short um, courses for. Various groups of people like um, leaders, um, evangelists, Sunday school teachers, women, all sorts of of groups like that yes. um, that come only for a, a few weeks and that. Um, but uh, and then the other main thrust is the trades training. There's also a clinic. Um, Rachel started a, a preschool. We have a primary school on the place, but it's a government school. But we have, you know, a bit input into it. Mm. Um, I should perhaps say that the local chief gave Barry the land, you know, for for the Bible school. Um, and then there's um, guest houses for hospitality, and the uh, facilities are available for other groups. World Vision use the facilities a lot, and also when the power is off in Winninunga, the education people come and hold seminars and workshops there, and also the medical people. So um, it's so the facilities are available. There's a, a, a we've got a lovely campsite. And then, of course, we got the farm, which which we started. We took animals with us from from our other farm to start, and there's now a herd of over two hundred beef animals and a few dairy as well. And some and some of our, our senior men have their own animals running with the um, with our herds, and they're sort of looked after and and. These animals are an investment for them, you know. Mm, um, so the, there's there's a lot lot going on. Mm, yeah, it, um, I find it amazing how God seems to have just equipped you for all these different ministries along the way and placed you, or like where He wanted you and where you were needed along the way, and how it seems that. He, he helped you develop your skills, and then that helped in that last. Part well, of your well, that's well, that's what's amazed me because 
Um, we there's so many things that we've been into that we wouldn't necessarily we didn't sort of set. I mean, Les didn't set out and say, "Oh, I must get a job." Um, we, it was sort of handed to him on a plate, really. And then, uh, and so the experience of farming he got from on the copper belt, mm-hmm. and uh, and so when he arrived at uh, Nyangombi, um, he had all the skills. I should say that on the way he had built how built me a house as well. Mm-hmm. In fact, he's built two because we built one at Nyangombi. So he's before. <laughs> Uh, well, you see, very often when um, uh, with missionaries, if there's no one else to do things, they do they do end up doing lots of things, and this is what Barry tried to do. But um, um, and so he was grateful to have the help of someone who could do it then. And uh, we and then you know o- over the years, he um, Les has helped out at various other places like. Uh, um, Sakeji School and even the Catholic Mission if they needed help with their hydro and so uh, uh, all along the way he's, his CV would be quite uh, quite interesting now. I should say that along with the cows that we took we also had a cold room um, and he set up a cold room and so he, he's also a butcher. <laughs> we prefer... <laughs> That's very impressive, and um, yeah, I think it's just a, a great testimony of God's faithfulness throughout the years of of keeping you going and and calling you to these different places and equipping you for all of these little things that are very practical, but actually probably had a deep impact on yes. on the communities. Actually, yeah, because when you know when we first went out um, uh, as missionaries. Uh, People, people didn't really do that, mm. um, and the, you know the other thing is the the commitment that um, missionaries made in those days. I mean, when we left when we left England, mm. that was it. You know, we were we were starting on a lifetime's yes. thing. So, um, uh, which is all very different today because now you hear of people going out for a couple of years to see how they like it and. How, yes. To get on, and, and I suppose the hardest thing for us was was having to send our children to school. Mm. And you know, we've spent sixty years saying goodbye, and that has been it, yes. really hard. It gets it gets better at some stage, but you know, having said goodbye to parents, and then when the children started going to school, mm. and then and then saying goodbye to grandchildren. <laughs> Was it was only really one, when I became a grandmother that I realised just how, how awful it was for our parents. They were the only grandchildren, and um, and when we left, it was an adventure for us. But we left just our parents with just an awful hole, and. At at the time, I didn't didn't realise how just how dreadful that was. But they never they never tried to stop us. They never complained. So it's just it's just one of those things. And uh, and then of course when once we'd once we'd started to um, work for the companies, then 
um, going backwards and forwards changed because, say, the children came out for every holiday and then um, we would have a, a, a leave halfway through our contract. And so um, by the time we were at Nyangombi, um, we, uh, although we, although we went back on the list as, as full-time missionaries again, um, there was no way that we were going to um, be away for, for years at a time because um, uh, you, you, your first commitment was, was for five, five years, which is a very long time. And But then not only do you sort of lose out on, on family, um, the church that you went to, who've sent you, who've sent you out with their blessing, mm. they they don't know you, yes. and so if you, so we, so for quite a few years, you know, we have been coming back to the UK every year mm. for three months or so. That keeps us in touch with our family. They're very good in that they they would give us time and. We do things with them when we we're here, and then we'd go back to Africa, and they'd go back to their their usual life, and that yeah. that suited suited us as both uh, well. Uh, and then uh, and then um, we would do, and then COVID came, of course, and we would due to come back in 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 the April of um, twenty twenty. And then the p- flights were cancelled, and we couldn't get out till mm. we came back in July. Mm. Um, and then uh, Les had various um, appointments, specialist appointments, and you know the medical things went a bit wrong then. So we knew we would be there, be in the UK longer, mm. and um, so we were quite prepared to stay till Christmas. And and then and then of course they brought in the vaccination program, mm-hmm. and we thought, well, if we go back, we ought really to have our vaccinations. Um, so we had those in um, January, the first ones in January mm-hmm. of twenty one, and then Heather had been visiting us and staying with us at Nyangombi for three months every year since she retired as a nurse, which was. A, sort of a decade ago, and uh, so <clears throat> so she, so we she was going to come back with us, and um, and she was being younger. She was a bit behind in her vaccinations, so we had to wait for her. Mm-hmm. And then, so we're now up to twenty twenty one, I think. Yes. Um, and um, and then in the April of twenty one, I was diagnosed with a blood problem, um, which meant three monthly um, blood tests and treatment very often. So there was no way that we could we could go back permanently, which was a great blow because we mm. um, we had left as if we were just coming on leave and then going back. So. Um, but we've we have managed to visit twice because we needed to sort out our personal things and the house and everything. So, so have you passed on that ministry to someone else? Well, um, 
for quite a few years, in fact, 20 years, um, another engineer came out mm-hmm. and he, he complete, he's completely transformed the place. He's, um, uh, 20 years younger than Les and he gradually took over, um, the, uh, the work that Les was doing. So the last few years we've, we have not been hands on as much, but, uh, um, when, when Gordon and Sybil go on leave for three months, then um, he he was he was there to sort of look after the, after the pace. Although I must say, the Zambians are very very well trained now, but they would consult him if uh, if necessary. But they can run the place on their own. But we were there to encourage and and help, and and I was I was busy. Doing various things, um, the, um, the churches and individuals from the UK would send out stuff in containers. Mm-hmm. So I would um, unpack all the boxes and write to all the people who sent stuff. Um, and then, and then I got involved in sewing, wow. in teaching sewing, because um, the the Bible school. There was one Bible school that was. Um, early on that was for five months and that was really good because we got to know the students in fact there were even two two babies born I think in that period but Rachel used to sew with the men they used sewing machines and uh, so I decided to to do patchwork with the women I'd only recently learned patchwork but um so um because it was a long Bible school, you know, they were free sometimes in the afternoon. So we used to do our sewing in, in the afternoons. Um, and that, that was very good. And then the, the Bible schools got shorter and shorter because the, they couldn't, they couldn't, students couldn't really afford to, to, to pay for their food and that. So the Bible schools got shorter. And so there wasn't physically time to sort of do that. But then, as well as the um, the trades training in carpentry and building, uh, they started a sewing group um, for mainly for women who perhaps were widows, and uh, to teach them um, skills that they could there again they could um, keep, look after their family, and so they come and they have about a five month course, and there's a very good Zambian teacher. Um, but um, if they they used to have to stay stay on the place, you live on the place. But then they only had their lessons in the morning, and and nothing at weekends. And their dormitory was very close to our house, and I'd see them sitting outside, um, just doing nothing in the afternoons. And so I thought, well, I could perhaps work with them. So I started working with those. With, there were about twelve of them normally, and um, we did. Uh, I just taught very simple patchwork, but but useful things like they would start off with something small like a bag or cushion, and then make small quilts. So they always had something nice to to go home, and they they learned. And if they were um, if they were industrious enough, you know, they could. 
carry on because they weren't using machines it was all by hand and so I've done done that for quite a few years I also did some interesting things with um, typing um, because um, there was a senior uh, there was a missionary in in uh, Congo Zaire um, and she was very good at uh, translation and she had written a grammar book and a and a dictionary uh, in Lunda, and so I typed those manuscripts for her, and then, and then what? Then I typed her life life story. But she was um, she was a very um, what I can't think of the, of the word, but a, 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 a very interesting woman, strong minded, and she was in bed. Um, she wasn't actually sick, but she had to stay in bed, and her her daughter was desperate, um, and said, "Well, if you record your um, your life story." So she did, and after she died, um, her a relative found these ten audio tapes, and um, so I typed her her life story and that that was absolutely wonderful because she was a great storyteller and i i didn't have to edit what she said at all and it was very very interesting because i knew so many of the people that uh, she mentioned and she'd been a missionary right from the early stages of of the mission work in Zambia, and and that she was she was um, on the mission station, the, the first mission station, which was actually on Kalani Hill, and uh, so that that was very interesting. And then uh, and then later on, when I was at Nyangombe, I was asked to. There was a group coming out to do some sort of medical work, but they had a handbook they wanted. So uh, one of the senior men put it into Lunda, and I typed that. But I don't quite what happened to that. But the, but the but my the books that I typed are actually you know in print. <laughs> yes. So. It, yeah. Um, again, yeah. the the way God used all your things, yes, um, what you had available, and not, I'm just thinking how nowadays people will go for a specific career and build specific skills because they want to achieve. A certain goal, but you just use what you can do and, and yes. the work that was needed. So, yes. um, I mean, again, that's God's faithfulness in placing you where you were needed and um, just giving you, equipping you with the right things. Yes. Um, I wonder if we can move on to um, more recent years and obviously being back in the UK with the situation you described with COVID and um, if there are any lessons that God has taught you in that time. Um. Well, I think too, um, being grateful for for what we've had. Uh, I mean, I'm the most unadventurous person, and uh, and I hate change. But when I think of you know what what we we've been through, what God has brought us through, I'm just so grateful that. To, um, he, he he brought us through those things and that I've been happy wherever I've been you know I've always been happy then like when I left the farm I said, told you I was crying every morning when when I got there and settled down I thought why did I doubt God this is wonderful wonderful 
out place outside uh, lovely people to be with doing what you know nice a nice job you know it was <laughs> so um, I'm very grateful um, I'm, and then I think trying to be content with with now and yes. um, I must admit I'm still learning that because <laughs> life is so different I do miss Nyangombi tremendously um, I miss the people and just you know what what we had there, and and the other thing is is just being grateful for for how we've been um, looked after in a sense pr- uh, practically. I mean, when we we went out as missionaries, we were living by faith is the term that's used, where you you do not know where your money is coming from. I mean, in this day and age, that is would be sort of foolhardy in a sense but we were never short I mean sometimes we had to wait for things but you know God has financially um, supported us all that time and to and just having you know just learn to to trust 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 God yes yes um, I guess by extension, if there is any advice you would like to give to younger Christians, what, what would it be? Um, well, I, I was, um, and we, we were brought up that that you 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 read the Bible and pray every day, mm. and um, that that is one thing that I think is is very good. Mm. I mean, you you don't necessarily. Uh, learn anything particularly every day but just just the getting into the habit of doing it so that when times are tough you still do it and and it just keeps your connection with with the lord and and also you you and we're grateful for our church and you need to to be with other people of of god's family yes Great. Thank you so much, Jean, for sharing your story with us today. Uh, and thank you, everyone, for listening. Uh, that's all for today's episode of Sister Stories. But join us again next time.